Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. This podcast is part of the 76ers Podcast Network. Search 76ers Podcast wherever you get your pods. On this week's edition of Tom's Talks, a legend in Philadelphia coaching circles and one of the most respected men in college basketball, Fran Dunphy, who played at and graduated from LaSalle University, went on to win more games than any other coach in Big Five history. Between the University of Pennsylvania and Temple University, he spent 30 years as a head coach in college basketball in Philadelphia. Part of the record, he won 580 games. His teams won 12 regular season conference championships and made 17 appearances in the NCAA tournament. He received the Dean Smith Award and the John Wanamaker Award here locally. One of the most humble and competitive people I've ever met. Here's my conversation with Coach Fran Dumpy. Welcome once again to another uh, session of Tom's Talks. Coach, as I've said before, at least written to you at one point, it's rare that a man is, you know, his reputation precedes him in the most positive ways, but you're one of those guys, and I mean that sincerely, uh, in terms of your reputation and your character. And it's just everyone thinks so high of you. So I really thank you for doing this. And how's it going uh, during this period? I know you were teaching a leadership course at Temple. How are you doing right now? We're doing great, Tom, to be honest with you. I've, I've kept myself busy uh, in, in a lot of different ways. A lot of these kinds of things, a lot of calls with my former players, and both from Penn and Temple, it's been great. Uh, probably watching too much TV, uh, <laughs> reading a lot, walking a lot. Uh, playing some really bad golf on occasion and uh, but really keep myself busy and uh, my, my wife's ready to kick me out of the house I'm sure but but all is good we're, we're really very very uh, very lucky very lucky group right it is a difficult time for all of us and part of your deal a lot of people at least basketball fans may not be aware that you taught all those years at Penn leadership in the business school and even at Temple here over the last year and you finished up your class over the last six or so weeks over Zoom like this. What was that like? And what's it been like to be part of the student body and be a professor all these years while being the basketball coach at those two schools? Well, I, I certainly wouldn't masquerade as a professor. I was sort of a, uh, 
a guest lecturer each each class is what I would like to to term it uh, because I was in class with a professor so it was a team teaching kind of thing and and that's uh, made so comfortable for me but I was grateful to be in the classroom I thought it gave me a different look of our of the student body gave me a different look of what our players were going through and it also gave them a different look for me they they looked at me in a different way and i hope that the faculty looked at me in a different way too that i w just wasn't in my office over in the in the basketball area and that was my only concern that i was actually concerned about everybody who was at the institution let's face it we're we're nothing without our students uh, and so there's no need for me to even have a job without the students. So it, it really was great. As far as the Zoom was concerned, I, I was worried about it, to be honest with you, Tom, but it, it was really comfortable. We have 18 kids in the class. Uh, the professor and I, we had our 20 faces on the screen and uh, it was terrific. It really, you know what we did though, the first couple of classes, we spent a lot of time talking to them about the world today and what they were going through. And, and nine of them were seniors and that rite of passage was sort of taken away from them that they couldn't have fun with their classmates over the last couple of months and do graduation and those kind of things so i think we really got a lot out of that just really listening to them and uh, there's no doubt that i learned way more than they learned from me i learned from them they're tremendous kids and i each and every class that i had i i, I was overwhelmed by the engagement of these students that uh, how much they wanted to learn and how much they could actually teach each other and i think that's really what we accomplished and you did a lot of classwork over the years i mean you got your master's at villanova obviously you got your degree at LaSalle. during your time at american you did so much work on your doctorate so you weren't just some basketball coach rolling into a classroom you were a highly educated prepared as you say, maybe not professor, but you brought a lot to the table. You know, I, I hope I brought a lot of life lessons to the table. So all of the mistakes that I made, of which I made many, uh, but I, I just think that's what you can lend to a particular group, you know? So we might talk about uh, managing people, you know, and I would always use the example of managing down with my staff, uh, all, all, everybody within the staff, all the players, the managers that we had that worked for us. But my job is also to manage up with my relationship with the AD and the right. president board of trustees. My manage my job was to manage to the left with the fans, the students, the alums. My manage was to I right. needed to manage to the right with the media. And then you know you, there's a lot of things you need to do. You need to give back. You need some charity work within your your uh, resume and uh, and, you, and speaking engagements and those kind of things. So there's a lot of stuff to do, but you got to and you have to manage all that. And above all, you've got to, when you come home at night, you've got to turn all that off and you got to be the best husband, father, friend that you can be. And, uh, and it's, it's all encompassing, but I loved every second of it. I loved being busy and I loved uh, doing as much as I possibly could. So it's been an unbelievable life. Well, I was going to use this line regarding uh, the fact that you worked or did something at nearly every big five school, but I'm going to invoke the late, great Dick Enberg in that you touched them all right there and what it takes to be a well-rounded, uh, successful person. And that de defines you uh, in so many ways. And people like that knew you as a basketball coach all these years and a guy of a, a certain age would know that you were a highly competitive basketball player. 
at LaSalle. I mean, having grown up in Drexel Hill and going to St. Dorothy's and whatnot, Malvern Prep. But then when you go to LaSalle, you play for Tom Gola, the great Kenny Durrett from Pittsburgh, and your team at one point, if I'm not mistaken, 68-69, one loss, 23-1, ranked second nationally in the country. It must have been an incredible experience with the Explorers in your college basketball career. Touch on that. Well, it was, it was phenomenal. The, the guys that I got a chance to play with, uh, all five of them, uh, all the starters that were on that 68-69 team, were fantastic college basketball players. Uh, Kenny Durrett was uh, a cut above, to be quite honest with you. If he had not suffered a pretty severe knee injury back in his senior year, uh, then he would, I think he'd have been a 12 to 15 year pro and, and been an unbelievable player. But the, the technology in those days just didn't allow for those ACL repairs to be uh, be of uh, it was just it was so consequential what happened to him and so it, it's it's hard it was really hard and then Larry Cannon was an unbelievable player and he got he got hurt uh, he had phlebitis that really uh, put him off stride Fatty Taylor probably played as much as anybody did in the pros uh, and then Bernie Williams was another guy who was terrific college basketball player and a guy named Stan Ladarchik was Bobby Jones before there was Bobby Jones uh, but he just didn't – and he got drafted by the Milwaukee Bucks but didn't want to do it as much as maybe we all wanted it for him. Uh, and there was a guy named Ed Chesney who came off the bench who was a great, great player as well. Ironically enough, I just got a call from Bobby Cremins, who was uh, uh, obviously made his mark at the college coaching level. But he was on that team from South Carolina that beat us that year, and he's writing a book. So he called me to get some background information from – our standpoint, what we felt about it. And, uh, it was really interesting to talk to him about it. It was a tough loss for us, but uh, we, all of us who think of it, we don't look back and, and woe is me kind of, uh, uh, kind of group on this. You know, we just got beat that night. And, and uh, actually, Tom Goal, I mentioned it to, to Bobby that Tom took all of the, uh, the, 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 not the credit, but the, uh, uh, the the do for us not winning that night because we didn't we felt like we should have pressured them and picked the pace up of the game they held the ball there was no shot clock or any of that and a guy named John Roach was uh, instrumental in in their team so but that was that particular game and we, we had some great great wins but we still stay together we talk all the time I'm on the phone with Larry Cannon once a month and uh, but unfortunately Kenny Durant has left us as is Patty Taylor and as has Bernie Williams and the but the rest of us stay in touch, and I'm grateful for that. That when teams win, they stay together. Right. And that famous line of Fred Shiro that I throw out to all of these players right. that I have. You know, we win tonight. We walk together forever. Right. And that's I think what happens to all these great, great teams. Right. That's I think what young players need to realize that it's about shared sacrifice, playing together, achieving something together in this world of highlights and you know this, that, and the other. I think that's really missed, and I know you know that. As yeah. well. You went on to a long assistant. You spent 15 years as an assistant coach. Walk us through that. Some of that was at Army, as I mentioned, American, some other stops along the way. As a guy trying to put the, the foothold, if you will, on your coaching career, what were those years as an assistant, a decade and a half like? Well, they were great in that I learned from some really terrific people. You know, So I learned – initially from Dan Doherty, who was my high school basketball coach at West Point uh, in that one year that I spent there. And then I was a high school basketball coach for four years. 
which was terrific. I learned a lot from that as well. Then I went with uh, Lefty Irvin for a year and left Lefty's first year at LaSalle and Lefty's last year at LaSalle, the five years in between. I was with Gary Williams, who taught me a lot. I was with a guy named Ed Tapscott, who was terrific oh, yeah. as well, uh, both at American University. And then I came back to work for, for uh, Speedy Morris as well. Uh, and then I got a chance to work with Tom Schneider at Penn for one year. And then he decided to leave to go to Loyola, Baltimore. And I'm sitting there and it was all about timing. It was all about good fortune. Uh, they gave me the job. I don't think I was the first, second or third choice, but I got the job. And one of the things I, I story that I tell all the time and I'll throw it out, I'll try to make it as quick as I can. We, I signed a three-year contract at, at Penn. I would have taken a three-day contract. I just wanted the job. Uh, the first year, I, I didn't think, I thought most assistant coaches think they know everything, and I, I was one of them. And then when I got got the uh, head coaching job, I realized that I didn't know anything. Uh, so our first year, we were 12 and 14. Second year, we're 9 and 17. And I go in to see my boss at the end of the second year to go to my third and last year of the contract. He slides this piece of paper in front of me, and I said, I looked at it. I said, something wrong with you? He said, what are you talking about? I said, well, you are aware that we went 12 and 14 and 9 and 17, right? And he said, yeah, I know. I said, well, this is a new three-year contract. Why are you doing this? He said, well, I like how you work. I like your, your staff. I think you guys really work hard. you got a plan. You got, you've recruited some really good kids. The kids are, have done a really good job. You'll be fine. The next year, we turn it around a little bit, 16 and 10. We're, we're starting to get our act together, largely because of Jerome Allen. And then Matt Maloney comes in to join him. And Ira Bowman comes in. And, so, uh, so with that, we then the following three years, we don't lose a league game because we have really good players, you know, and, uh, but here was this guy, Paul Rubenkamp was my AD and he saw something in me that I really appreciated and I've never forgotten it. I call him all the time and remind him of how good he was to me and how important he is to me as a human being. So I think those are important things to do. And you, you got to tell people how you feel about them, uh, probably not on the negative side of things, but how you feel about them, what these people have done to you, you know, tell them you love them, tell them what they've done for you. Right. So Matt Maloney and as you say, Jerome Allen, um, Lenny or Benny Pierce, you got 14 and 0, three years in a row, 22 wins, 25, 26, all the way to 94, 95. That was a pretty good chunk there. You had to feel pretty proud of those Quaker teams. Yeah, very much so. Uh, great group of guys. And again, uh, terrific buy-in by them and 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 again with when we when I talk about Jerome and Matt as good as they were on offense they were unbelievable on defense our big guys never got in foul trouble because none of the other guards ever got to the rim and they were just that good of keeping the ball out of the lane uh, so they were again tremendous buy-in and they didn't care who got the credit they they just wanted to win and they certainly drug us to many victories with the Ivy League and, and no athletic scholarships, you know, like one of these books sitting around here by uh, John Feinstein is about the last amateurs, about the Patriot League. Was there purity in the Ivy League, like how we would maybe look at it from the outside and that these were totally like student athletes? Um, did you find that? I mean, that's just the whole University of Pennsylvania and that the great reputation of basketball, the palestra. Is that how you would define it in part? Yes, in part I would, although I would say to you that most of those guys that came in to play basketball, they played 
they were basketball players. They, they yeah. thought of themselves as really good students. But they really wanted to be known as basketball players too. It was really important to them. That's, that's how they spoke oftentimes. You know, did they speak through their grades and their academics? Yeah, they did. But, but they really wanted to be known as, as good basketball players. And I think that's what made uh, each group successful. And there were, we had like four different groups of guys that, that were really highly successful at, at Penn. Uh, and they stayed together and they really, they wanted to be known as a, as a great team in addition to being great basketball players. Right. So I was really fortunate that way. And they all did well in school. Uh, I think one of the great things about college athletics as it has developed over the years is the academic advising has gotten so good uh, that I might even have been a good student when I was at South many years ago, if I had had the kind of help that they have today. And I think it's a great thing. I think it's really helped college athletics. And I, I give the NCAA great credit for that, by the way, because they've laid the law down so we can't be having kids that are just not getting it done on, in the classroom. And they, so if you were not doing well academically, you might suffer a loss of a scholarship or, or, or some penalties of that nature. So I, I give the NCAA a lot of credit there, but as much as they were great students, they also felt the need to be very good basketball players as well. We'll have more of my conversation with coach Fran Dumpy in a moment. In this time of social distancing, NovaCare Rehabilitation is offering physical therapy from the comfort and safety of your home through their new tele-rehab program. NovaCare will virtually bring their services to you so you may heal, build strength, and get back to the things you love. Tele-rehab lets you easily connect with one of NovaCare's licensed therapists through web-based technology that is HIPAA compliant. For more information, visit NovaCare.com. Now back to my chat with Fran Dumpy. Eventually in 2006, you go to Temple mm-hmm. and replace John Chaney. Uh, just talk a little bit about that because obviously Temple basketball, and you had very a lot of success there initially in the A-10 and then the AAC, but that transition from Penn to Temple for you. It was interesting to say the least, Tom. I, I, uh, I was sort of petrified to be honest with you, but uh, I did talk with Coach Cheney. He gave me his blessing, uh, his okay, so that that was very important. And I tell the story all the time about uh, I, uh, about Mark Tyndale, who was ineligible to play right away. He was our most prominent player at that point. And uh, so my first team, for the first six games, he's going to be ineligible. But what we talked about with Mark was when he was ineligible, they reported it in the Daily News, the Inquirer, Comcast Sportsnet. ESPN had a ticker on the bottom, Mark Tyndale, ineligible to play the first six games. So in that first semester, he took four courses. He got four Bs, did a great job, got eligible again. And, uh, you know, it was in the Inquirer, in the Daily News, and on Comcast Sportsnet, on ESPN. All right. And that so that was the lesson, you know. If you don't do your work, people are going to report on it, right. and you're not going to get reported on the great things that you have done here. So, and then he came back, and we, we struggled a little bit that our first year, and then we won the the conference title in, in our second year. Deontay Christmas was a unbelievable player. Lavoy Allen kind of solidified everything for us. Right. I think you're getting my drift that when we got really good players, that makes you a really good coach. <laughs> right. And that's really what it is. I mean, it is about the players and what they do. And if you can help in the buy-in, then, then I think you've got something really strong. And I always felt like if the leadership within the group was great, then we were going to be pretty good. 
Coach, uh, you've been nice enough over the years to let me in to watch your practices. I love hoops. It was just a treat to be in there. And if somebody's watching on TV or they're in the upper reaches of the Leocor Center or the Palestra and they see the coach clapping and all that, they don't see the fire and the competitive drive um, that all of you coaches have, your players at which you're trying to instill in. To the layperson, like try to, I don't know, describe where that comes from, that, that ultra competitive. And, and you're not alone, but you had it as much as anybody. Walk us through that a little bit. You know, I don't think you have a lot of control over that, Tom. You, you are what you are as a coach. You are what you are as a human being. And, and again, a husband, father, or whatever. You, uh, you want to be the best at, at it, what you can be. You know, it was funny. When I first thought I was going to be a, a head coach, I, I said, I'm watching, uh, you know, the guys who were doing it pretty good. Shashevsky uh, was coming into his own, and I, I watch what he's doing, and he's sitting on the bench going two or three or one or whatever. That's pretty easy. And you could just sit there. Well, I couldn't sit there. I, I had to stand and kneel and do what I – and even when I do sit down, I'm popping back up again, you know. You have no control over that. That's – you know, you see guys – I watch Jay Wright. He's up and down the side. He, he, he logs a few thousand miles a year right. up and down the bench, you know. So, But we're all different. We're all – and we all – uh, do different things that, to make us better as a, as a basketball coach, but we're all trying to learn all the time, you know, and I, I think that's what, what happened. I would be in the Sixers organization. You would see me at Sixers practices on occasion. Every one of those coaches from the Sixers welcomed the college basketball right. community in to watch practice and then would sit with the actors. What do you think of this? I actually had Larry Brown one day say to me, how would you guard that screen and roll? I said, Wait a minute, you're Larry Brown. I'm just plain old Fran Dumpy, just a regular Joe here. But he wanted to, he wanted to engage. He wanted to talk about it, you know, and they all do. It's just, we all are like that. We just, is there, if there's a special, uh, sub, special thing we can get uh, to make us better coaches, that's what we're trying to do, you know. Right. And you all but, have the drive too. Yeah, but, but, but the craziness is, it's in you. There's nothing, yeah. nothing you can do about it. You got to love it, baby. Uh, you mentioned Coach K. He was on a recent uh, radio program here in Philadelphia, and he mentioned that you guys are longtime friends. Speak to that relationship. Well, yeah, I, I tell the story a lot. Uh, I was just about ready to get orders. I, I went to Fort Dix as a, uh, my basic training, and then I went to Fort Ord, California for my advanced infantry training, and I was shooting 81-millimeter mortars, and I was just about ready to get orders to Vietnam or Germany, which the, the war was winding down a little bit. So this captain comes down and says, you get a phone call in my office. I said, okay. And I get there and this, it's Hal Fisher from the uh, all army basketball team. And he says, you want to try out for the team? I said, yeah, I'd like to try that. So that I was at Ord and, I, and it's right down the, right down the highway from Presidio where the the practices were going to be. So I took the bus up the next day. The first person I see getting off the bus is Mike Krzyzewski. Uh, so I'm, you know, 22, 23 years old or whatever. And, uh, and we start playing ball and I make the team. He's on the team. He's, and he's already a coach. Whenever you would come off the, off the court onto the bench, you know, here's what I see this, this, and this, and it was always spot on. And, uh, but he was great at what he did. And so we've just kind of stayed friends over the years. We've played each other, seven, eight times. And we did win one game when I was at Temple. We had a great win at the, at the Wells Fargo. And uh, so it was great. 
Great, and he's been a, a great resource and reference for me over the years. And again, it's not, it's one of those relationships that you know the, the friendship is there, but it's not like you're talking once right. a week. You, know, you may talk twice a year, right. but it's there. It's, it's, it's meaningful. That bond is forever, I bet. both as a coach and, and being in the service as well. Absolutely. So you spent, give or take, 35 years as a coach, 20 as a head coach. And is that right? And then 15 as an assistant. And my question is, this past year, I mean, how much did you miss it? We spoke about the competition, which is what draws you and the relationships and whatnot. It had to be a void. How much did you miss it? Yeah, I missed it. I, I would be lying if I told you that. I, but I missed the competition piece, you know, and I, w- I wanted to go to every Temple game I could. I made just about all the of the home games. One last one I didn't make because I, LaSalle, my alma mater, actually gave me a chance to do some video streaming. And so I did that last game. But I watched as much as I could of Temple basketball because I want to just show my support not only to Aaron and, and his right. staff, but to the players, you know, because those are guys that I was highly involved with for previous years. So uh, that was great. But I probably saw more games than you could ever imagine. Right. High school, I was out every night. When I wasn't out, my wife said, you sure you don't have a game to go to? Tonight? You know, so, but I tried as much as I could to, to fill that void. And I did some teaching, obviously, and I'd never taught in the spring before. So I taught in the spring this year. And then, of course, uh, the virus came along and, and short season does all. And, uh, but I watched as many Sixers games as I could and, and studied them. And uh, you know, I loved them. I loved uh, I was dying to see the Phillies play and those kind of things. So, but I saw lots and lots of games. Like my buddy Joe Mahalik, I saw him play at Princeton. Saw him play at Delaware. Would have seen the Drexel game, but Temple played that night. Uh, but it was, you know, all those kind of things. Trying to, I watched Matt Langle's game, Colgate at Lehigh, uh, Colgate at Lafayette. Uh, so I, I, I made a lot of games, and uh, but I loved every second. I'm hoping to do more this year and uh, see as much as I possibly can. Well, I got to ask you, could you see yourself going back and being a coach somewhere? If the, the situation were, were where somebody thought I could help, uh, yeah, I, I would certainly listen. I, do I have to have it? No, probably not. I think I got enough going that I can that I can. Uh, do other things, but I, if somebody thought I could, I, I was worthwhile and, and it would be meaningful to me to be in, in an organization in, in a university or whatever, I, I would never say never. Uh, but it's not something that, that, that I go crazy over at this point. I'm, I got a lot of things going on and sitting here today with you is, is one of them. I, I enjoy it and I appreciate the friendship more than anything. Right. And I, I appreciate Luke as well. Uh, me <laughs> That's too. Cool. That's cool. And that's my son, and you've been so gracious. And that's part of you. You're so generous uh, with people. I remember Phil Martelli telling that story a few years ago where his grandson invited you to his birthday party, and you went, and you were <laughs> romping around the backyard. I mean, that's you're, you are priceless. And the philanthropic effort and reaching back into the community, whether it's coaches versus cancer or any number of charity causes, speak to that if you would. Well, I think it's it's an important feature of what we are as coaches in Philadelphia specifically. They give you these opportunities. Well, it's not just to roll the ball out and, and coach your team. It's to do all sorts of other things. Mm-hmm. And if somebody thinks that your time is worthy, then fill that time. And 
give people your time. It's uh, you can, there's a, there's a lot of people that can't give a lot, but they can give their time. And if you can do, it's the most precious commodity we have. And if you just give support, you give that time, then, then I think you're, you're fulfilled as a human being. And that's what we all want. I mean, whenever we finish our jobs during the day, we then go home at night and, and we, we give ourselves a grade, I think. How, did, how was my data? Did I do a good job? Did I treat that player that I had? He had a difficult time. Did I do a good enough job with him? Did I make the right move in, in the game? Did I, was I good enough as a teacher today? Did I, did I answer the student's question? It's one of my friends asked me for something. Did I come through? You know, I, I think we grade ourselves every single day. And, and, I, and I think for the most part, I've had good grades as a human being. But there's certainly some days that I've screwed up and I, I didn't like myself for that and I wanted to redeem myself. But I do believe that that's what, that's, self-satisfaction is the thing that we're all looking for. And, and if we're good to others, then I think your, your self-satisfaction grade should be way up there and that's the most important thing. It's not about you, it's about everybody else around you. Well said, great, that, that is really nice. That's exactly how, what defines you and I, I can't thank you enough. I'll, I'll wrap it up here. I so much appreciate our friendship and your time. And uh, I know you still have a lot to give in many areas and we're lucky to know you and have you in our area. And it's been great over the years to watch you coach and, and get to know you. I appreciate it. I'm gonna leave you with one quick story if I can. I've been telling this story all the time and that's nothing to do with me, which is really why I like telling the story. So I went to see Joe Mihalik's team practice at Drexel. And uh, and at the end of the practice, this was before the before the game. At the end of the practice, I said to him, "Who's your best leader?" And he said, "Well, it's this kid Deshure Bowie, kid from New York. He's my, I want you to meet him." So Deshure comes over. We talk for two minutes tops. He walks away, and Joe says, "Let me tell you this story." Uh, they were the, the AD at Hofstra had gotten together all the student athletes, all the uh, coaches, some of the administration and brought in a health and a physical and mental health expert, a wellness expert. And so they, he's in a room, probably 400 people, and really gets heavy in the middle of his talk, and he talks about suicide. And uh, so anybody here can, contemplated it. And one kid in the far side of the room raised his hand and said, you know what, I have to say that, that I have. With that, the kid, Deshure Bowie, is all the way on the other side of the room. He now walks across the room, looks at this kid right in the eye, and then gives him a huge hug. And I'm overwhelmed by that. And so then the, the, uh, the speaker says, oh, you two guys know each other. And yeah. Shurbui says, no, we've never met, but we're gonna be friends from now on. Oh. And I, I, the power in the empathy that this kid, I, I looked at this kid and I said, Who are your, who's your parents? Who are the people around, your mentors? How have they, they, they have guided you to do this, to feel that way about other people. And uh, he, and then I go watch the game on Saturday. They, that was a Thursday game. I go to watch the Delaware game on Saturday. Uh, with eight minutes to go in the first half, this kid has uh, two points and the score's tied. With three minutes to go in the game, Joe's taking him out because they're up 16 and he's got like 24 or 26 points. Just the leadership just kind of oozed out of him making plays, making his teammates better, taking care of the defensive end. It was just heartwarming to see how this kid had followed through on the basketball side. But what he had done that night to right. his fellow students, athletes, 
how can you ask for anything more than that? That kid, he's just empathetic uh, like crazy. And uh, just a beautiful thing to, to listen to, to watch, to, to see how this kid had come through for his university. Great story. You're the best, Coach. Thank you so much. Stay safe. Be uh, well. Great to see you. All the best. I hope I see you soon. I hope I hear you soon. Thanks for listening to Tom's Talks with me, Tom McGinnis, on the 76ers Podcast Network. Check for new episodes every weekend. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.